0: strategic guide on how not to be an asshole at work. You'll learn about bad bosses, how they can be detected and handled, as well as how to tell if you happen to be one. Join an executive and an executive coach, both artists working in marketing and advertising from over two decades, who are here to offer you the ultimate guide on how to navigate any employment landscape. Here are your hosts, Eugene S. Robinson, and Stephanie Payrollo.
1: Welcome to the Bad Boss Brief. I'm Stephanie Payrollo. I'm Eugene S. Robinson. And today we are going to talk about feuds at work.
2: Ooh, uh, I've got a few of those.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I thought, you know, I thought you might. I thought you a might contentious.
2: <laughs> Yeah, okay. And,
1: and we don't want to talk about uh just conflict at work, right? So the parameters in which we are thinking about feuds today are two people or two groups who have an intractable conflict that isn't necessarily connected to bad behavior on either part. Right? So this isn't a situation where, you know, X did something egregious to Y and HR got involved. No, no. These are just groups or individuals who cannot stand one another and tell me about one of your feuds
2: um and groups or individuals well um i uh, i i would have to say that you know there was a guy at apple who was let's 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 think about it the way apple thinks about it um you have a listers at apple and then you have b team players and this guy was b team adjacent to a list was like right at the top of the b team Hadn't really done anything magnificent, but you know, people in general, Jim, uh, were in, impressed with his efforts. Uh, but in the presence of an actual A-lister, um, he was—he got really weird and kind of weirdly corporate and and competitive and in an unhealthy corporate way, which was sort of antithetical to, at the time to how business was done at, at Apple, like backbiting back sniping sneaky kind of this guy would actively avoid what he would plan his his route around the apple complex specifically to avoid steve jobs because there, you know there's famous stories about steve jobs getting in an elevator with somebody and saying what do you do and the person not being able to coherently explain what they did by the time the elevator hit wherever they were going and that person being fired um i don't know how true those were but he assiduously avoided rather than up his game, just avoided jobs uh, in the complex. And that I witnessed directly. But rather than trying to up the level of his accomplishments and achievements, his involvement with the group, he spent more of his time trying to pull down burgeoning A-listers, which was uh, uh, nettlesome for those burgeoning A-listers.
1: And so was that the source of your feud with
2: him? the, The source of the feud was, you know, his repeated attempts to undercut... The efforts and keep, keep in mind, my efforts at, at Apple were they had brought in a succession, maybe four before me of marketing people. And this would be under the guy uh, from Pepsi, who was the CEO before jobs returned. Um, John, whose name I can't his last name, I can't remember. Um, so he had a few administrations to, to kind of mess with, but they had brought in four marketing folks who. What they tried to do, which is what marketing people should do, is, you know, figure out who the stakeholders are, get meetings together, come up with a, you know, a a working plan, a marching plan and get something done. But everybody was so individual contributory, to make up a a phrase at Apple, that that was getting nowhere. Right. Mm -hmm. So they were having these meetings and nothing was getting done. And I came in and they said, well, you should probably meet with the various groups. And I sent out an email and said, this is who I am, what I'm here to do. Let's meet. And people were like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And I go, you know what? I don't really need them, right? The idea of my job, my KPI here is to make Apple cool again. And I could do that without them. Frank Kozik, dearly departed Frank Kozik, underground artist of, of major note, was one of the first people I covered because he he's a, an evangelist, unknown to people at Apple at the time. They had no idea that he was, but I knew. Um, and did a big piece on him and had five five new articles a week uh, every week. <laughs> so by the time I'd been there a month, we had uh, 20. Um, and people had started to notice, specifically Steve. And when everybody in the group found out, oh, wow, Steve sent an email to the group that we were doing great stuff. That's the point at which the feud started. Huh. Before <laughs> then, he was like, that's probably going to be another marketing guy who can't get anything done. But at that point, after the first month, the dude was like, no, 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 no. I can't. I can't. I can't have this. Uh, and so
1: what kind of things would he do? Do you remember?
2: Um, just everything that was backhanded and on un- help, help. You know, I, they sent me to Zurich to interview the band yellow. Um, and I'd gotten back to the hotel after having spent, you know, several hours, tra- you know, interviewing these guys and then transcribing tape and then, you know, and, uh, get back to the hotel. And I had to fly out. To- I mean, it was a short trip and any money on this. They flew me over and they were would to fly me back. And, uh, I just said, I'm going to check my email and I checked my email and it was like, well, since Eugene is not here, you've contextualized this in a way to make me seem like a slacker. It, I'm not off on vacation. I'm not touring. I'm not at home drunk. You know, I'm at work in Zurich. Um, and uh, and so stuff like that, you know, I, and I responded to that immediately. I said, it's very much what I just said now. I'm at work in Zurich. Um, And I'm available like now by email or phone. And there's no reason at all that what you're saying didn't get done, didn't get done because of my efforts. Non-performance is not my responsibility in this instance because I've given everything that you wanted. So uh, I don't appreciate your 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 back channel kind of attack. I said those words exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and of course, he wasn't used to that kind of direct talk, didn't expect it. And that kind of stuff dies in the sunlight. So he sort of left me alone at that point except for odd sniper hits every now and then but his major broadside figuring that I wouldn't have the subtlety or grace to kind of understand what was being said uh that stopped that stopped at that point well you know because I, I just see I see to everybody it's like you're not gonna beat up on me in private we're dotted right. line to each other you have no no basis for this you know
1: well and I think there's that is one of the things that characterizes feuds that i've seen is just a level of sort of relentless pettiness yeah right yeah. it's yeah. it's petty, it's not anything, and I think that's one of the challenges is that if you respond to someone who continues to barrage you with those kind of, you know, like small things, it can seem as if you are small minded, if you Mm -hmm. say, well, he said this, or, you know, different types of examples. And that's part of the insidiousness of that sort of feud behavior. And so I've seen it with individuals. I've also seen it with with groups, right? Mm -hmm. So having spent a lot of time in advertising, there are sometimes just natural tensions between groups, right? So account Mm -hmm. people, who are tasked with largely managing the relationship with the clients and then with all the other stakeholders around the clients, making sure the creatives are happy, all those things are often at odds with project management, whose job it is to make sure that things get done on time on budget. And sometimes you can't adhere to deadlines and make everybody involved happy. Right. Right? I mean, I remember I remember a creative. We were working on a deadline because we had an RFP request for a proposal. And if you got it in late, you weren't considered. And that was however many millions out the door. And he always would push things. And I remember him calling me from a plane and screaming at me because I had just informed him of the reality that this is actually due at this time, which means you have to get your stuff to me by at least an hour beforehand so I can make sure that's proofread. Right. So there are some. There are some circumstances where there's a natural tension between departments. And if you can just name it, I've done that as a consultant, come in and been like, look, account people, you are going to have tension with project management. Right. Everybody is going to have tension with finance. Like some of these things are, are natural. I think the challenge with feuds is when it goes beyond it, it like it metastasizes. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's so that every meeting is a festival of pettiness. Every interaction, every email is you know CC everybody and you know ref- kind of snide references. And I think those things can be really those can things can be really destructive. and what ends up happening is that managers, like mm-hmm. all the way up to CEO, they don't want to mess with that stuff. Well, yeah, right? Yeah it's yep. just it's it's one of those management headaches. Yep. Where you really are like, can you two just sort this out, whether it's yep. teams or whether it's individuals? Yep. Have you ever managed people who have been feuding? Um,
2: I have um, when I was doing uh, Code Magazine in Los Angeles, um, and I, which I've made mention of on past shows. And I've had people um, who were feuding. And in some cases, um, in some cases, it was intractable. Um, a creative director and uh, a style editor, uh, you know, at Loggerheads, and there was, you know, remember I was in the office three days a week, and I was splitting the rest of my time at Apple. Actually, I was doing two jobs at once, and they, um, so when I was out of the office, and I would switch. Sometimes I'd be three days a week at Apple, and just two days a week at the magazine. Um, but when I was not there, there was screaming. There was they were throwing things at. I mean, it was just it was weirding everybody out. And I can see, you know, to use family kind of family terms that the, what was really needed was a dad. Um, and I, I came in and I said, for this to work for me, I need to have peace and, and quiet, much like it's very dad argument in this, in this household. Mm-hmm. And, um, if it doesn't, I'm going to have to separate you guys. And they go separate. And I go, yes, one of you will have to go. And, um, they kind of, I mean, I, I said it the way I just said it now. So there was a possibility that you thought that I was being amusing. Um, but that's not what happened. I was very serious and it continued. And, uh, I had to let the, one of the people go.
1: Um, how did you decide I, which one to, which one to let go? If they're I, both I, fighting,
2: I made, I had made a pick about who I thought the aggressor was. Mm-hmm. And, um, And also the aggressor was the one who was back channeling stuff I didn't like. I didn't, you know, you got a problem with me. You don't go to the VP. You come to me. Um, and what he, what he hadn't realized is that the VP had loved me. So she was, you know, she would come to me and say, well, Matt said, and I'd be like, okay, Matt, (laughs) you know, so it's like out of the people who I can trust. One or the other, it's not Matt, you know? So, um yeah. So somebody had actually told him that I was going to lay him off uh before I did so. And I hadn't told anybody I was going to do this. But that's when I realized that despite the fact that at Flint, all of the executive doors were bulletproof steel core because of his accident, was totally paranoid. They were not soundproof. <laughs> so... So the rumor, either through a phone call that I had made that somebody eavesdropped on, but the rumor had spread. So that when I finally called the guy in, he said, "Hey, I just want to let you know I'm leaving." So he quit before I could fire him, which I yeah. it, was, it was immaterial to me. What, you know, what I'm glad it looks better for you that way.
1: Okay. So, well, what I was looking at, since you know we like to have some advice, is what do you do if you're the one in the feud, <clears throat> right? And Mm -hmm. so what I was thinking about is usually I've had lots of people who don't like me or try to undercut me, um, Mm -hmm. but I'm mostly like, oh, oh, that's how you're going to do. I just I try not to get involved. Right. But there was one time where I was brought into a company and this the guy that I was working with just didn't like me out of the gate and Mm -hmm. I couldn't figure out why. And come to find out later that I took his job and they never told me they never told him that, oh, Stephanie's coming in and she's replacing a large component of what it is that you do. So I was not set up for success in that circumstance, but there was a constant tension and I bought into it, right? Because I'm like, oh, okay. Like white guy mansplaining me. I mean, it was like hitting all of my things, right? So that's what I was looking at. I was thinking about that example. And so here are a couple of things that, that I would invite people to think about if they're in a feud. The first is, Understand the risk that this can do to your career. Right? Yeah, I mean, exactly yeah. what you just said, like yeah. managers, they don't want to they don't want to deal with it. They want you to sort it out. And so if yeah, you're, yeah, because,
2: because cool. work is not getting done. Exactly. <laughs> We're talking about this. Three people are
1: not working. So exactly. Uh, so right. the first thing is, is just step out. Mm-hmm. Stop participating right? Stop talking about it. Certainly don't talk about it at work. Just, just stop participating. You know, and I think sometimes people forget, you know, like as a, I was thinking today, it's been, it's been a number of years since I've had a cigarette, but quitting smoking is hard because you have to, at least initially 25 times a day, want to do something and then stop yourself doing it.
2: Right. Right. right?
1: It's right. the same thing. When you have a few, you will want to respond with a snarky email say the, you know, like make the crass observation, talk over someone in a meeting. You will have a desire to do these things, learn some restraint, right? And just like stop participating in
2: it. Okay, what do, what do, you, what do you say then to a person who's involved in a feud, an existential feud, where the other person will not stop until you're gone from the company? Um, you know, in other words, you, you don't, it's like prison where you don't really have, if you choose not to fight, feud with this person, you are, are risking being you know, extirpated from this this uh, professional setting. So
1: I would first, I mean, that is a, I, I feel like I've been in those circumstances before. Mm-hmm. What I question now looking back is, was that just a story I was telling myself? Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because that, I mean, it's dog-eat-dog. It's dog. That's capitalism, right? And the idea of like, if someone is consistently having bad behavior towards you and you are not participating, adults in the room are going to see that. And they are going to understand who has the emotional maturity and the restraint to participate in a corporate environment, right? Like work karma doesn't take that long to come around, right? And I think, again, part of the feud idea is that these are not HR offenses, right? If somebody is really attacking you, if their objective is to demoralize you so completely that you leave the building, generally that involves an HR violation. Right. I mean, that so I think we want to put that aside. And the other thing is to then what I tried to do with this guy was to really reframe the narrative. Right. What is the story that I'm telling myself? The story that I often hear from clients is they think that the person that I'm feuding with is doing something at me. Right? He's trying to get rid of me. He's trying to do this. He's trying, there's all these narratives. Right. And what I always suggest to my clients is whatever people do makes sense to them. Get curious about why this behavior makes sense to this man.
0: Right? Why
1: does this make, he's not, he doesn't, people don't think that much about us, right? What, what is it that he's doing? And it's usually fear. People are afraid they're going to lose something that they have or that they're not going to get something that they think that they need or want.
2: Right, right, right.
1: And so he's afraid, right? That he's not, that's not, I just happen to be in the way of that. So the first thing is to like, try to get curious about what it is that this person might be doing. And then I think it's, I I call it unbraiding. It's look at your side of the street, right? So a lot of times what will happen, and I've seen this with friends. I've done it myself. I've seen it with clients. They'll start talking to me about a conflict at work. And I'll realize, wait a minute, that sounds like their father. Mm -hmm. Or didn't they just, didn't they go through something similar with their ex during the divorce? And a lot of times we don't see what's layered on top of it. Right. And so, you know, for me, I've had a really uh, extensive history with sexual harassment. Right. Mm -hmm. So if I if I feel something coming at me and I'm telling myself a story that it's gendered, I'm going to have a whole bunch of energy around that. And if I unbraid this and think, you know, maybe talk to another friend who's also a woman and say, are you getting a gendered vibe? And my friend's like, I'm not seeing that. Mm -hmm. Then I need to look at what is it that this is bringing up for me that is not Mm -hmm. about this circumstance, Then the next thing is you need to let go of being right, right? So there's a, there's a a phrase I've heard a bunch of times, which is, would you rather be right or be happy? Yeah. (laughs) And I always answered the same way, which is I'd rather be right.
2: Yeah, yeah, me too. I was going to say the same thing, However. I'm a a Virgo, yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and so, but I think it's important to recognize that nobody else in the work environment cares whether we are right or not right when these feuds go on it doesn't yes. matter if you have right on your side yep. it doesn't matter they just want it to stop they just want it yep. to go away so let go of that and then i think the last thing is to really try to develop some compassion for this person so you know whatever it is right some people have a spiritual practice the buddhists have a practice called metta m e t t a which is if you're curious look it up online it's a prayer where you have a good intention for yourself a loved one a neutral person and then the person you can't stand Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing that as I would drive to work at a certain part of my commute, I would have a good intention for this man. Even though I was not feeling it, Mm -hmm. I would try to have a good intention for him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I got to work and I, I, over time, I found out two things. One, I saw how he interacted with his family and I realized he was a very, uh, he was a good dad and he was a good husband and he was really devoted to his family. So I'm like, okay, not, not a lot of guys in advertising That profile. So I was like, okay, check. And then I found out accidentally that he had um some pretty serious health issues and he was in Mm -hmm. almost chronic pain. Oh yeah. And I had this thought of like, this guy is he's the breadwinner, right? His wife is staying home with the little kids. He's in chronic pain. What must that be like? And I realized that the shortness of temper, the you know, what what I had interpreted as his bad attitude towards me. Yeah. I was like, what if that is like screaming pain? Yeah. And it just shifted for me. And so I, but it took months. It took months. And what ended the qu- up The question is,
2: is he a recipient, as a recipient of a change in your attitude, was it your perception that he responded positively to Absolutely. it? Absolutely. It was 180.
1: I mean, we are um, dynamic, completely changed. And we never actually even talked about it. Right. Right. We didn't say here's what we didn't ever have any heart to heart. There was no like, you know, let's let's air our whatever. It was just I changed in my vibe towards him and he changed it in his vibe towards me, which is, I mean, again, not surprising. I am, you know, a tall woman with a lot of energy. I'm stalking around the office, hating his guts. Obviously, there's a certain affect that I'm bringing. And when I stop bringing that. Yep. Then then he changed. And, he, you know, he, we it, this was many, many years ago. I have run into him at social events. I am genuinely happy to see him. His mm-hmm. career has he's been very successful. All of that's water under the bridge. And so it is possible. Right. Yep. It yep. is possible to do. And I think it's also really imperative to to bring some of these things to bear. And then I think that the last thing I would say is if you are a boss and you are in a circumstance where two people that work for you, who our peers are feuding, mm-hmm. one, send them a copy of this and make them listen to it and right. invite them to do all these things. But I think what's really important, as long as, again, there's no HR behavior, this is not a sexual harassment, racism, any of that mm-hmm. situation, insist that they speak with one another. Yeah. Right? Well, insist. you know, you know it's, it's
2: funny you should say that. I had one thing when I was at a, ma- a magazine and uh, I, I mentioned the anecdote which is the guy standing at my door kind of issuing an edict that I should do something. Me saying that our common boss, cause we were dotted line, didn't sign off on that. And the guy still at me. And finally I said, I'm not doing it. What are you going to do? Beat me up. And you would think that that was a nadir that that was like the low. And in fact it actually was because we had a business, a, a, a conference to do later. I get to the hotel, Everybody had gotten there before me. I was, for some reason, had an interview and had to show up late, and they had they screwed up my room. Right as dude was walking through the lobby, and he stopped and heard me say, and I just said, "You know what? I don't want to argue. I'll sleep in this couch here in in the in the lobby of the hotel." And he was like, "Hey, Eugene, you know, I got a big, they got a double bed in my my room. It's it's sweet. You can," and I was like. I just thought that was just such a basically decent thing to do, given that we'd had this troubled relationship. So I said, cool. So we go up to the room, and we actually just talked. (laughs) Like, two roommates about to go to bed, because it was fairly late, like maybe 10 o'clock or something. And uh, we just talked until bedtime and went to sleep. Completely changed the tone and the timbre. of our. I mean, uh, we we became friends. (laughs) Yep. Like, two hours of conversation just... Normal guy, I found out that he was in a band too. And we, you know, we knew some of the same people. It was, it was really effortless and yeah, pretty phenomenal.
1: And I think being mindful of like, you know, there's going to be ruptures in any relationship. It's right. how do you repair the rupture right. and really just basic human kindness, right? Bringing somebody a sandwich, if you're working late or asking after a sick kid or, you know, so just something, it can be a really small gesture can really can really turn things around. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Do you have a, do you have a a fire me?
2: Yeah, 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 (laughs) I'm sorry. I I don't know why I apologize for these things, but it just seems like I'm apologizing not to the person who the fire me is about, but everybody has got to deal with this person. And uh, I'm going to go straight to one of your local, uh, temporarily local resident at this point, Jeff Bezos. It's like, listen, listen, I'm glad you discovered love late in life, that's great. I don't want to see pictures of you and your girlfriend on your speedboat as you contemplate your move to Florida when right as the holiday season is kicking off, there are indications that you're going to lay off, you know, uh, not a sizable portion, but enough people for me to be bothered by, but enough people for me to be bothered, you're going to be on a ship enjoying yourself while these people are like, yo, Christmas is in a couple of months, Hanukkah's in a couple of months. What? <laughs> I'm, I'm laid off? And, you know, I found this out in the same way that everybody else found it out through the newspapers. So they're saying layoffs are coming. They don't even, you know, it's a re- Was it the reason for the season. How about no surprise and dread? How about that? Because they haven't announced, they've announced they're going to be layoffs. They haven't announced who's getting laid off, but he's happy and he's shirtless and on a boat with his his fiance and having a great time. That's good. Second richest man in the world. That's really fantastic. But you know, a lot of people right now are going to have crap holiday seasons. And even if you don't announce until January, you've ruined the entire season. So this is a one hundred one bad boss. Not do list. You know, do. I mean, they, they even have days when they're supposed to fire people, right? As there are certain days. There's some kind of lore that you know. I can't remember what it is that you you don't fire them at the beginning of the week, or maybe you fire them at the end of the week. So that end of
1: the week and back- end of the quarter.
2: The end of the weekend of the quarter, correct. So that they, if for whatever reason, one is financial and one is, you know, they they have the weekend to kind of adjust and they don't mm-hmm. over it through the whole week and come back and shoot the place up. But this was ham-handed. And you could say, well, he can't control his public image. The picture of, yeah, I'm pretty sure he can, a, a picture taken from about four feet away of her sitting on his lap on their boat. Uh, I, I think you pretty much can control that. It's four feet. <laughs> My arm's what? about three feet long. You can control that, you know? So I I don't know it seems it seems it seems hard hearted to me.
1: Well, and there was a leaked email um, that you sent over that came that was sent out to the games division. They laid off a bunch of people in in games, yeah. and there was this great there was this great quote. It says, "This is from the internal Amazon email. It never feels good to say goodbye to colleagues."
2: Yeah.
0: That
1: that's like saying it never feels good to have one of those tags on the inside of your shirt, scratching your neck. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not, you know, in that kind of like, well, it's never easy. It's going to be easy for whoever is the boss of that particular division. He still has a job. He doesn't yeah. have to worry about how he's going to, you know, get health insurance. And what are they all yeah. supposed to do? Go on Amazon's like new $9 a month and you can get your healthcare care online situation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that was the, that was the thing that was that I just thought was also another unnecessary misstep. Right. You yeah. know that this email is going to get leaked. So, first of all, why are you sending out as an email? You know, it's going to immediately. They, I think it went to the street. And then, yeah. you know, it never feels good to say goodbye to colleagues. If I was looking at that, I'm not even a PR person. I'm not even a crisis communication person. I could look at that and be yeah. like, yeah, you're not going to want to say that. Yeah. when they're getting laid off, like the week before Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? And, yeah, you know, and, 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 you know, and I think the challenge too, one of the things is like, you know, like I have friends that I'm talking to in, you know, who work in tech in Seattle they're hiring people and they're like, they're talking to candidates who have been, a really quality candidates who have been out of work since January. Yep. Applying to everything. Can't yep. get, you know, can't get jobs. Like it is not a small thing to be laid off in this market at this time and to have did that see, cavalier did, response. Did
2: you see that guy who has set an AI program to send out his resumes everywhere? <laughs> and he sent out literally like 5,000 resumes got seven interviews out of them and no job offers. <laughs> so, and this is AI talking to AI, right? I've applied to a job and they said, you have a choice, they say in the application. AI can vet your 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 application or a real human can. You won't be punished for how you choose, but it's up to you. And so I, I declined to have AI, <laughs> no AI vet me. I would rather have a person vet me and say, Hell no, we don't want you here. They had a computer going, ah, these words don't seem like they're quite the right words we need for the job. I, you know, who knows? But yeah, yeah it's it, it's very strange. And this guy exactly. was like a, like a qualified, uh, I mean, engineers, I don't think are having a hard time, but I think this guy was a software engineer, which I thought to be fairly incredible. Well, so
1: And given, I mean, n- normally I try not to make like comments about people's physical appearance, but, you know, given the spirit of Jeff Bezos being the fire me guy today, I was in an elevator with Jeff Bezos. Right there, right there. Oh, there you go. Very but this is before he bulked up. A very small man, kind of like over in the corner, not really having eye contact with anybody. But I remember, and this was again many years ago, but he was still Jeff Bezos, even then. And I remember thinking, like, wow, he is so dramatically unprepossessing in person that if I if I wasn't this close to him, I would not have assumed that he would be. Yep he would be the Jeff basis that he is. And of course now he has shoulders, but you can't do anything about the, you know, the short
2: They've started lengthening people's leg bones, uh, w- which increases your height, but it makes you like Mr. Glass in that in that movie. You can't, at that yeah. point, when you choose to have the surgery, your days are playing pickup basketball or soccer. They're done. They're
1: done. That's, that's not, yeah. that's not great. Yeah. All right. Well, that's yeah. all we've got time for. Uh, today if you have any ideas of uh, future episodes that you'd like us to do or if you have any questions which we will answer on our sub rosa section which is our advice uh podcast get in touch at wtf at badbossbrief.com that's wtf at badbossbrief.com
0: and we will see you in a couple weeks thanks adios Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Bad Boss Brief Podcast with your hosts, Eugene S. Robinson and Stephanie Pairollo. You can check out more of their work by visiting consigliera.substack.com for Stephanie and eugenesrobinson.substack.com for Eugene. You can also find Eugene at MrSleep3, that's number three, on Instagram no, reach out with your questions concerns work case situations or suggestions to us at wtf at com. we personally answer every submission be sure to join us at badbossbrief.substack.com every other wednesday for episodes of bad boss brief and every single week for our sub rosa shorts so you can gain further insights into your workplace environments until next time don't be an asshole at work